0: Welcome to the Archives of Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. The economic and cultural changes that have occurred in North American society in the past 50 or so years have resulted in today's children looking to and associating with their peers instead of their parents for direction. For a sense of right and wrong, and for values, identity, and codes of behavior. This peer orientation works to undermine family cohesion. It interferes with healthy development and fosters a sexualized youth culture in which children lose their individuality and tend to become conformist, desensitized, and alienated. These concepts and what to do about them to develop strong families and emotionally healthy children are explained in Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers, a book by Gordon Newfeld, Ph.D., and Gabor Mate, M.D. When I spoke with Dr. Gordon Newfeld from his home in Vancouver, British Columbia, we began our conversation about these topics with the discussion of the importance of the development of an attachment between the adult caregiver and the child, beginning at infancy.
1: The, uh, the relationship of the child to the parent and is the... Uh most critical factor in the parenting equation it's it's one that we take for granted or we think of it as very adult centric as our relationship to the child rather than the child to the parent but as we understand uh, the science of attachment or the science of relationship i should speak which is attachment theory we're we're realizing more and more that children need to be attached to those who are responsible for them for, uh, for parenting and teaching to go as it should, and for us to raise our children successfully,
0: for the fundamental reason uh, being that children can't take care of themselves.
1: Absolutely, uh, attachment is there to enable one person to take care of another person. But we're not the the uh, these instincts spring out in the uh, in the parent uh, caretaking. Behavior, but in the child, it makes receptive to be t- being taken care of. We can't just take care of anyone, just like we can't take care of a pet that's not attached to us. And so, the attachment of the dependent person is in- incredibly important in in the equation.
0: How is that attachment developed? Obviously, being present next to someone. The repetition of the presence.
1: Yes, the the nighness or nearness in attachment theory, we call it proximity. But being with is only the beginning step. Uh, we we suffer from a very simplistic idea of attachment in North America. Part of my uh, challenge was to be able to collect writings in attachment from numbers of of uh, of theorists and put the pieces together. And in so doing, discovered at least six different ways that children uh, attach. And this capacity for relationship develops largely in the, in the first six years of life, or it begins to. We should see the the uh, beginning indications of it.
0: Well, let's talk about what those uh, six different ways of attachment are.
1: Well, the, the beginning is through being with, uh, being in touch and sight and smell and so on. Uh, That has to do with attaching through the senses, but very quickly it should move by the second year into that uh, the child experiences being close through being like, being the same as, taking on the form as, and then proceeds to possessing those that you're attached to. We tend to do that as adults as well, Uh, belonging, jealousy, and so on. And along with it is all the instincts of loyalty, to take the same side as, to agree with, and to serve and obey, uh, moving on to a fourth stage, which is to want to, uh, to matter to, to be significant, to be valued, because it occurs to us that mommy and daddy hold close that which they hold dear. Quite short on the heels of that, a child should, if everything is okay and the child can withstand the vulnerability involved, uh, give his heart away to those he's attached to. He gets very emotionally involved and it may even fall in love, want to marry mom and dad and stay with them forever. And then finally, it moves into a very deep sense of closeness in which you've, you, you uh, want to be seen and heard from the inside out. And this sense of psychological intimacy comes from sharing our secrets uh, with others. And these are uh, this capacity for relationship is meant to develop, of course, with mom and dad. And we take this with us to other relationships. One of the problems in today's society is that we're not cultivating these these deep kinds of connections with our children.
0: Why not? What has changed in North America? You say North America suffers from attachment problems.
1: Yes. Well, one thing that has changed is that our society has taken a very economic turn. It's, culture serves the dollar, not relationships. So we we have lost the traditions, customs and and uh, um, rituals that are meant to connect children to those responsible for them. Uh, in this morning's paper, where I am in Vancouver, uh, is an article on the family meal and its role in it. And this is true for all traditional cultures, is a sit-down family meal is a, a ritual of connection. And uh, it's just one of many that we tend to lose in our society. Another thing that we tend to do is is we use the relationship against the child. Uh, things like timeouts, for instance, are extremely hard on relationships. It says to a child that their behavior is more important than the relationship, and it actually provokes instincts to detach from us rather than attach. If being close to us sets them up for separation, then the child is inclined to move out of relationship rather than into
0: relationship. Well, staying with the concept of timeout for a minute. What do you suggest a parent does uh, in lieu of time out?
1: Just the opposite. Uh, to, to do your work in the context of, of connection, uh, to find a way to the child's side, to, uh, to be able to have a sense of, uh, of emotional connection. Uh, I often suggest that you collect a child before you try to direct them. I have in the book, you get their eyes, a smile, and a nod, the normal kind of, of, of dance that we do in greeting rituals. And inside that connection, when you collect them, then move to direct them, ask them to set the table, to uh, try to address the problem. Uh, but we, for instance, if, if in, our, in our relationships with our spouses, we try to deal with problems outside of our connection instead of inside the connection, uh, things would go just dreadful for us. But we tend to do these we tend to to do the very same thing with our children.
0: Can you give us some concrete examples using the spousal example and the child example?
1: well with if we had a problem to discuss with a spouse, if we wanted to bring our spouse on side with uh, with us in some way, uh, discuss a conflict, we would need to do that. Uh when there was a will to connect inside of us when we felt that, and when when we had a sense of of togetherness or connection with them, i I used to be involved in marital therapy, and I would always say, you know, find a way to the other person's side to find the sense that you could be holding their hand and they holding yours now deal with the problem between you. But if you try to deal with the problem outside of that connection, it's just going to get worse. And yet that's exactly what we do with children. We try to, uh, to get on top of, of, of problems and the incident when, they, when they've misbehaved, when their relationship is, is the most strained, the emotions run very intense, and when we have lost our will to connect with them. And we wound them terribly in that situation. And why would they want to be in relationship with us when we, when we can't hold on to them in that context?
0: When they're banished for their behavior that they don't understand.
1: That's right, exactly. In fact, it, it wounds them so much. Uh, as soon as they feel the disconnection with us, as soon as they feel the, the dag, or feel, see the daggers in our eyes or the icy tone in our voice, uh, it, it, it is a vulnerability too much to bear. Uh, they're forced to numb out, to tune out and to detach from us. And therefore, in, in that, we hinder the most important, uh, that which is sacred to parenting, their relationship to us.
0: Dr. Gordon Newfeld, author of Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. The issue of what goes on in the mind of the child who is told, time out, go sit over here, or go to your room, or come out when you're ready, what happens
1: it, it's not in the mind. It's not so much the thinking. It has to do with an emotional response. It really hits the child in the limbic system, so to speak, the emotional part of the brain. They get stung. They feel hurt uh, in that tone of voice. So everything comes then either about connection, a child scrambling back into the good graces of mom and dad, or scrambling out of the relationship, trying not to feel, not to, not to think, or not to be close so that, to, so that you won't get hurt. But these are instinctive reactions, really. They're, they're very, very primitive reactions that even we as adults have no real choice over. If, if we, we can take up a relationship with them, uh, these but these, instinctual, these instinctive protective actions or reactions will be there.
0: Can you describe where they come from, the the instinctive reactions, uh, what those reactions are?
1: Uh, yes. Well, just to put it in, into context, uh, there's two things that seem to be true of us as, as humans, even more so of, of children. One is that we are creatures of attachment in need of contact and closeness uh, with those that we're attached to. But secondly, we're very vulnerable beings. We're easily hurt, easily wounded. And when we attach to somebody, it sets us up for being hurt when, when we get a sign that they, we don't matter to them, that they don't want to be with us. And so there's always that interplay between attachment and vulnerability. And it, uh, if a child can feel safe that, the, that there's nothing that can sever the relationship with a parent. That when in trouble, uh, they're not in danger of losing the contact and connection. Then they can withstand the vulnerability that is involved in deep relationship. But we, we tend not to honor that in our children. And, and with tone of voice... Um, with looks in our eyes, and especially with our parenting practices of using what they care about against them, and of shunning and uh, and of excommunication, you know what that really that time out is—get uh, out of my sight until you can behave. Uh, we just we really cut them to the quick and and provoke. Uh, we now know that there are three basic defenses against this vulnerability numbing out and then children are losing these these very vulnerable feelings that's where we get it I don't care doesn't matter whatever and this huge epidemic of boredom in our children losing their their vulnerable feelings and uh, tuning out they lose the perceptions that lead to vulnerable feelings Uh, you know whatever they don't see doesn't hurt them and then finally this ultimate defense of all uh, what's technically called defensive detachment Uh, This this is the one I mentioned. When being close sets you up for being hurt, uh, then the brain automatically wants to back you out of that attachment.
0: What do you find are some of the contributors to uh, these three phases, numbing out, tuning out, and and defense of, of detachment in the North American society?
1: Well it's it's basically a vulnerability too much to bear. One is that we're giving rise to very, very sensitive children. and these sensitive children are easily hurt. But another huge factor is peer interaction. Research shows that peer interaction is the number one source of uh, of of teasing, taunting, shaming, stress in a child's life of of, of feeling hurt and to protect them against this they need a very strong deep relationship with a caring adult only if what mom and dad thinks matters most and only if it's safe that is that they they feel that 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 connection is absolutely safe can they endure the teases taunting shaming the kinds of interaction that happens with their peers our mistake is is we don't take this into consideration we we uh, we we don't realize that our children are hardening up right underneath our our, our very noses.
0: What do the peers do that cause this uh, reaction or this form of development in the child?
1: Oh, just they're just being normal. They're not responsible for each other, so they're just naturally insensitive. Uh, oh, teasing! Uh, I don't want to play with you. Uh, you stink. Uh, things that we would never uh, as responsible parents say to our children but then children aren't meant to be responsible for each other so it's not not it's it doesn't require any viciousness on their part
0: but it's the association and the proximity and the uh, development of the sameness some of the issues that you've listed earlier
1: yes it's 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 when children attach to their peers when peers matter more than their parents do that it leads to leads to an a very vulnerable situation, a vulnerability that's too much to bear. And we do this even at three and four years of age. We think peers are the answer, and, and, and they're not the answer. Our children, uh, it, it just leads to children becoming numbed out and tuned out.
0: Well, Dr. Gordon Neufeld, let's jump ahead and look at the pre-adolescent child and see how uh, these issues affect uh, a, a person of that age
1: well we we tend to think that as uh, as children grow older they they need to separate from us to grow up and that they need to replace us with their peers and this is these two thoughts are very very harmful in our society uh, children don't have to separate from us they they need to attach deeper to us attachment is the womb for them to be able to grow up to become their own persons uh And they don't need to replace us with their peers. They need to replace us with their own sense of self, with a sense of personhood, so that they can be with their peers without losing their sense of self. These are very fundamental uh, principles in developmental psychology, but somehow we've got them wrong in our society, and it's leading to not holding on to our children as we should.
0: Well, again, what has occurred that has caused us to get them wrong?
1: The uh, basically culture has changed. I don't think parents have changed so much, but culture has changed, and with it we've lost the extended family. Uh, generally speaking, we've lost the supporting cast for parents, uh, and uh, and the traditions and customs. So that is that is what has changed. And we've made another big mistake in our society that we've never done before, as instead of honoring tradition and custom and ritual we look around us and if something appears to be normal we assume it's natural and so if children are preferring to be with each other we think it's normal uh, instead of looking to cultural tradition and uh, and wisdom to uh, to give us the cues so we even in our research in our research we take a look at what's typical for instance we find that children more typically look to each other for a sense of their uh, significance. And then we decide that this is normal, and therefore we have to increase the friendliness between children uh, to encourage self-esteem. When the problem was is children should never be looking to their peers for self-esteem in the first place. When on trial to your peers, you're you're going to be destined to a sense of insecurity.
0: Then we have a a, a presumed fork in the road where... An adolescent is looking to their peers for that support and that sense of self. What do you recommend that the parent do at that time? They see the child drifting away, adopting values uh, of which the parent does not approve uh, and does not support.
1: Well, the the good thing about a relationship, it's never too late. It can be restored. Uh, The hard part is to get past all the behavioral problems that emanate when the relationship isn't good. When a child loses his desire to be good for us, to win our favor, to measure up to our expectations, uh, but they don't uh, act right, look right, smell right, and so we get very alienated, and we start riding them. And what the biggest thing is to realize that underneath this is a relationship problem, that they've fallen out of attachment with us, and uh, and. And if we have that consciousness, we know instinctively what to do to build relationships, uh, to nurture, to assume responsibility for the connection, uh, to act as if they need us, uh, to give a sense of significance, of value, of warmth, of affection. Uh, The more we nurture them, the more likely they are to come back to feed at our table, not to go to somebody else's uh, to, to get fed.
0: In the moment of frustration, in the moment of anger or despair, what are some phrases or concepts or things that the parent can say to the kid, to the child that support your, what you were just saying?
1: Well, the, the most important uh, thing to do is to remember not to try to do too much in the incident. Uh, don't try and interact with a child when you've lost the will to connect uh I always, I always suggest to parents that they, uh, they get out of the incident as soon as possible. If you drop the infraction flag, simply say it, this isn't good, uh, this isn't working right now, we'll have to talk about this later. Then change the subject or change the situation or circumstance, and then come back when the connection is good to be able to deal with it. We need to time out ourselves, not the children, when we've lost that uh, will to connect in ourselves and do our work uh, in the context of, of the relationship, not in the context of the incident.
0: And how about the kid at that moment, if they're engaging in an inappropriate behavior?
1: Well, the, the, the uh, instead of trying to change the child when we've lost control, it's very difficult to control a child who's out of control of themselves. It's always better to take charge of the situation and circumstances um, to basically, okay, uh, you know, we're going to do this or we're going to do that or I need to do this right now, but basically change the circumstance rather than trying to change the child. We make the mistake of, of uh, increasing our demands upon the child when they're least, uh, least uh, inclined to do our bidding. And that's, uh, if we ever did that with pets, that would be dreadful. You've, you've, you've got to be able to recreate that sense of connection. Even a dog, you've got to be able to feel... Their sense of wanting to be good for you before you give your cues. If you do it outside of it, it just works backwards.
0: Can you give some specific examples in relationship to the child?
1: Well, let's say you're you're wanting the child's cooperation at the meal time uh, to uh, to be able to interact in a meaningful way, to not be disruptive or, or rude, uh, rather than. Uh, continuing to say to the child, come on, uh, you know, don't be that way or cut that out or uh, talk properly. It would be better to restore the connection, uh, be able to interact with the child, to uh, to get their eyes, uh, to collect their attention, uh, get a smile, get a nod. And inside that connection where you can feel the child's desire to be good for you. They're, they're, they're wanting to be close to you. Then you give your cues about what it is that you would like them to do, how it is that you would like to handle uh, the, the situation differently. But you work always inside the connection, not outside, outside the connection.
0: And so when we have a child that's stuck in a phase or phases of immaturity...
1: Well, the more immature the child, the more in need of a context of connection, of attachment, to be able to work with them. That is even true in adolescence. If a child is quite immature, if a child uh, isn't capable of mixed feelings, uh, is quite compulsive, rigid, uh, if a child uh, does not have a sense of perspective um, at, at all, is quite impulsive, then even more that we cultivate that connection in which to to work with them uh, get a sense i always say to to, to parents we're, we're so preoccupied with trying to get them to be good but the most important thing is their desire to be good for us and that is a fruit of their relationship and if you can if if you can get the relationship straightened out then you've got the most powerful force their desire to be good for you in that context There is a lot to work with. There's enough for any parent to work with with a child. But if you don't have the child's heart, if you don't have their desire to be good for you, there's very little you have to work with. That's when we resort to leverage. That's when we look around for something that they care about and we use it against them. And that's a very cynical and desperate way of parenting. As soon as we use uh, what a child cares about against them, uh, that child will want to move out of relationship with us, not into it, because what child would want to depend upon somebody who who, uh, who, who basically uh, will take advantage of, of their position with them?
0: Let's move to sexuality and the so-called raging hormones of the adolescent or the older adolescent, the the mid-years teenager, who become involved in a sexual circumstance. Uh, that would be inappropriate for them. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, that's more a symptom than than anything else. The raging hormones aren't a symptom, of course. That's all part of puberty. And the uh, that relationship takes a sexual turn. Attachment takes a sexual turn. But what is really causing the rampant sexuality of adolescence is, is the fact that uh, that their peers are mattering more than their parents and peer relationships tend to be far more sexualized and when they have lost their vulnerability about them when they've lost their timidity and their shame because sexuality is a very vulnerable experience it sets you up uh, sexual interaction sets you up for being wounded dreadfully Um, in in fact we know that uh, sexual interaction even releases bonding chemicals in the brain and so that now you become possessive and jealous want to be with that person and and you have to either have been seared emotionally or two or three of these experiences will sear you emotionally and so ending up to become much more brazen in your sexuality the the protection against uh, against this is very strong emotional connections with adults in your life those adult relationships can go very deep, very, very strong without being sexualized. And the more you can get your attachment needs met in this way, the less vulnerable you are to, uh, uh, to the more overt kind of as sexual uh, or hypersexualized interaction of, of what's becoming epidemic among, among young youth today.
0: Dr. Gordon Neufeld, author of Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. I want to thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. And before we close, can you tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately?
1: One of the most interesting books that I've read on attachment theory is a very, very unusual one, very readable. But it's by uh, uh, a Japanese psychiatrist, Tokyo Doi, D-O-I, And it's simply called Anatomy of Dependence. And it's one of those books which just helps the coin drop as you realize that we are, in North American society, totally preoccupied with independence. And we've lost the dignity of what attachments are all about to enable one person to take care of another. And he just speaks right to the essence of it in the most poetic, most beautiful way.
0: Anatomy of Dependence by Takeo Doi. That's right. Well, Dr. Gordon Neufeld, thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. My pleasure. Dr. Gordon Neufeld is a co-author of a book called Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. The book that he recommends is The Anatomy of Dependence by Takeo Doi. More information on Dr. Newfeld's work may be found on his website, www.gordonneufeld.com. There are now over 630 archive editions on Radio Curious. That's radiocurious.org. They're free for you to enjoy, download, and share as you wish. We appreciate your cards, letters, and ideas about our programming, and look forward to hearing from you. Curious at Radio Curious, 280 North Oak, Ukiah, California, 95482, 707-462-6541. Angie Voiles Ascom is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.